Hey everybody, welcome to The Conscious Love Show. Whether you are single, you are in a relationship, or you're healing a broken heart, this show is here to inspire you, to remind you how beautiful, lovable, and amazing you truly are, and to give you the practical tools and insights to navigate from wherever you are right now to the loving relationship that you so deeply want to have. My name is Shane Kohler. I'm a certified transformational coach and trainer with over a decade experience helping people release their trauma and open their hearts to love. I've delivered seminars all over the world, coached thousands of people through my online platforms and programs, and every week I'm coming straight to you with the hottest insights and the best teachers around, bringing you powerful resources and profound conversations to heal your relationship with love, dating, and yourself. I'm so grateful you're here, and if it's your first time, welcome. You can count on me to always show up for you with my very best and a commitment to learn and grow myself so I can serve you to my maximum ability. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I've got some awesome things planned for you today. So without further ado, let's dive in. All right. Hello, everybody. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Conscious Love Show. Shane Kohler here. Pleasure to be with you today. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about um, acceptance. And acceptance is something that I want to define as the ability to be at peace and to have joy with wherever you are right now, with whatever's happening in your life. So for those of you who are listening right now, those of you live with me on Instagram, those of you who are listening on the podcast, whenever you receive this message, I want you to just check in about your life. Like just, just take a moment, check in about your life. And you know, check in about like everything that's happening in your life, right? Like all your relationships, your friends, your family, your, uh, you know, dating life or love life. If you're in a partnership with someone, or when you think about work, you think about your career, you think about your home life, you think about like just across the board, your whole life. Right. And if you pay attention and I know like, and I want to say most of us are not even like most of us don't practice this enough to really pay attention to know to know really what we're feeling, right? So part of this is a practice to really get familiar enough with yourself to know what you're feeling. But if you pay attention and you think about different areas of your life, you think about, again, work, you think about family, you think about relationships, you think about dating, you think about love, think about these different aspects, different areas of your life. And you'll notice that some, some areas of your life have a certain energy around them that's a little uncomfortable, right? Or maybe some certain things that have happened, certain situations or predicaments or, or interactions with certain people. There's some energy on it. There's some heaviness to it. There's some tension. When you think about it, you don't feel light. You don't feel free. You don't feel at ease. But there's some pressure, some tension, some heaviness around it. And... Wherever you feel that, and, and sometimes it comes and goes, like sometimes you feel it okay about it one day and then the next day it's there, but wherever you feel that, I want to just start to presence for you that that is a lack of acceptance in some area of your life, right? Wherever you feel that heaviness, that tension, that is a lack of acceptance in some area of your life. And why is this important? Like, let's start there. Like, why is it important that we accept these things? Because it's, 
think about it like this. Anything in your life that has hurt you, anything in your world that has hurt you, anything in your past, like going all the way back to childhood, all the way throughout your life, every relationship, every interaction, every experience, like anything that has hurt you, there's a certain amount of grief that you're going to experience around that. There's a, cer- there's a certain process of grieving that you're going to go through around that. And that process of grieving is is going to result in accepting the situation in whatever it is, right? You're going to go through a process of grieving around that. And the final result of that grieving process is going to be coming to acceptance. Now, what I said earlier about acceptance is that acceptance is the ability to feel at peace and to feel joy with whatever's happening in your life right now. And so you could think about it like this, wherever wherever we're holding trauma, wherever we're holding pain, sadness, a sense of loss, a a sense of emptiness, wherever we're carrying that, there's a completion that needs to happen with that. And what I want to start today's show with as we're getting into this conversation is just a presence that most of us have a lot of incompleteness around around a lot of things in our life. There are a lot of things that we are grieving, that we've been grieving for years, for decades, some of us, and we haven't completed that. And then what we're trying to do is we have these dreams, right? We have these things we want. We want we want love, we want partnership, we want connection, we want adventure, we want passion, we want to be happy, we want to be alive, we want to have success in our lives, we want to have finances to be able to do the things we want to do, right? Like we we have these dreams, we have these things we want in our lives. And we're trying to move towards them, right? Like every day in some way, most of us, I mean maybe not everybody, but most of us like we get up in the morning And we do something to try to move towards our dreams in some way. Anything in our past, anything in our history that we have not accepted, that we have not completed, right? Like I said, there's a grieving process we got to go through. Anything in our history that we have not completed that grieving process around will act as a dead weight. And it will it will hold us back as we try to move towards our dreams, as we try to move towards this ideal future, as we try to create the life we want to have, right? Anything that we haven't brought acceptance to, anything that we haven't completed is going to act as like a dead weight. It's going to be something that holds us back in that process. And so when we talk about grief and I saw someone say in the comments earlier that like grief is so challenging and I want to, I want to broaden the conversation just a little bit here because like I I had someone, I'll share this. Like there's a, there's a student in, there's a student in my inspired love program right now. I just found out this morning that her mother passed away. Right. And this is someone that uh, we've, you know, we've been working with her for some time now and we've been seeing her go through this with her mother and it's been a long journey and her, her mother passed away this morning. And, you know, first thing she did when her mother passed was she reached out to my assistant Rami and like, thank God that Rami was there. And, you know, I just, I'm so grateful that she, that she was, that she's in this program and that, you know, she knew she could reach out and that we're there for her. And like, I'm just, I'm so grateful to be able to be present for something like this when it happens. 
But she's going to go through a, a very acute type of grieving process around this. Um, you know, the loss of a loved one is like one of the most intense forms of grieving we will ever go through in life. And the loss of a partnership, right? Like a divorce or someone that you were deeply in love with, someone that you spent a significant amount of time with, like that can be one of the most challenging forms of grief that you will ever go through in your life, right? Like that, that is one of the heaviest forms of grief that you will ever go through. And when we hear grief, when, when I mention the word grief, we usually think about things like that, right? We usually think about these big experiences. And absolutely, that's, that's part of what I'm talking about here. But I want to, I want to broaden the conversation. Actually, the, the, the real Lahomic is that speaking into her right now. I'm just going to read this comment. She says, I'm learning that grief is not just about the loss of a loved one. It can also be the loss of a dream, way of life, et cetera. Yes, and that's exactly what I'm touching on right now. Because most of us think like grief is only relevant for these major life experiences, a loss of a loved one, a divorce, like a, a, a loss of a you know, you know, 20-year career or something like that. But we actually go through the same process of grief around every single disappointment in our life. And so like, let's just talk about the process of grief for a moment. And I want, like for anyone who's grieving, you know, like the, the young lady who just lost her mother this morning, and I know she's probably gonna listen to this, right? So to you right now, if, if you're hearing this, whenever you hear this, I, I just wanna like send you so much love. And, you know, I, I haven't lost my mother yet, but I understand what you're going through to some degree in the sense that I've had major, major loss in my life. And I know that it is, it is just monumentally, it reframes your entire relationship with everything in your life. And so to you or to anyone who's going through something like that right now, I just want to send you so much love. And I saw a comment earlier. Someone said that grief is like the gift. I'm just going to read this comment because it was beautiful. Um, this, this comment is from I Loves You Too. I like your name, by the way. Um, grief is like a present that you didn't ask for, but you needed for growth, right? And and when we go through major, major grief in our life, and even minor grief, but you know, grief is, it's very much that. It is, it is a process that we don't ask for. It's handed to us by life. And it creates an internal transformation, right? When we, when we grieve something, it creates an internal transformation. It creates a healing. But what I, what I want to touch on here, what I really want to get to in today's conversation is that most of us are carrying unresolved grief around many, 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 many things in our life. And then what we're trying to do is we are trying to move forward in our lives and create our dreams while carrying so much unresolved grief around so many different things in our life. And it, it, it literally becomes an impossible situation. Like when I, when I talk about healing and so much of what I talk about on this podcast is healing. And in the work we do in the Inspired Love Program, like so much of it is about healing the past. So you are actually free to create the life and the love that you really want to have. And so many of us are trying to build a dream on top of a shit foundation. 
We're trying to build a beautiful, beautiful dream on top of an unhealed foundation. And it never, ever works. We never, like we might get close. We might feel like we're touching into it sometimes. We might momentarily feel like it's finally happening for me. But inevitably, it all falls apart because you can't build a beautiful, a beautiful dream on top of a foundation that can't support it. And so I was thinking about this this morning and I was thinking about like when I moved to Florida. So I was 13 years old. I, I got kicked out of school and my mom sent me to live with my father in Florida. Now, when like at the time this happened, like I thought one of my greatest dreams were coming true. Like I always wanted to know my dad. I never got to know him. Like I had an opportunity to get to know him. But in addition to that, like, I thought I was moving to a tropical paradise. Like, I thought I was going to be surfing, hanging out on the beach, beautiful girls. Like, this is what I thought my life was going to be when I moved to Florida. And, you know, I didn't know what I was moving into. I just had a fantasy about it. I didn't realize I was moving into, like, one of the worst ghettos in the country. Like, I thought I was going to be surfing, hanging out on the beach with beautiful girls. And then, like, I'm, I, like that wasn't it at all. It was, like, drugs and crime and like a, a toxic narcissist father who was like highly, highly abusive. But I didn't know that was what I was getting into. Right. And so here, like there was some innocence in that. Like there was this innocent little Shane who just wanted so badly to like have this awesome life and to be popular and to have friends and to be in a beautiful place around beautiful people and to have a good time and enjoy my life. Like, and it was such an innocent desire, right? It was such an innocent dream. And then like the reality of it is very different than that, right? Like the reality is like abusive and toxic. And like, I mean, I had never done a drug in my life when I moved to Florida. And within 30 days, like I had already smoked weed and, and drank alcohol for the first time. Right. And I'm 13 years old and like, I'm getting, I'm getting, you know, spoon fed into this lifestyle at 13 years old. I thought I was moving to a tropical paradise and having all my dreams come true. Turns out like I'm, I'm getting started out on, on the road to like some of the greatest pain I would ever experience in my life. And there's a certain amount of grieving that needs to happen there, right? From this innocent childlike dream that I had to this, you know, toxic nightmare that became my reality. Like there's, there's the loss of a dream in that. There's the loss of innocence. There's the loss of like how I thought it would be compared to the reality of how it is. And like most of us, I'd say all of us in some way have some form of that. And so this is what I want to ask because when we look at the stages of grief, right? You have denial is the first one, then anger, then bargaining, then depression, and then finally acceptance. And so this is what I want to illustrate for everybody is when you think about your past, when you think about a past relationship, when you think about your childhood, when you think about things that happened with your parents, when you think about your boyfriends or girlfriends when you were younger, or even when you were older, right? But when you think about your past, you think about the experiences you've been through. Do they make you angry? Do they make you sad? Do they make you feel like an emptiness or, or like, a, like, like something's wrong that like you need to fight or prove yourself, right? Like do these, do these experiences create this sense inside of you? Because if they do, then what that points to is an incompleted cycle of grief.
right? There is, there is some grieving there that has not been completed yet. Because like if you, so if you think about a past relationship, you think about your ex-husband or your ex-wife, or you think about your, you know, someone you dated in high school or someone who cheated on you, or you think about some past relationship. And when you think about that relationship, if that makes you sad, if that makes you angry, if it makes you feel unworthy, if it makes you feel like like bargaining is like fighting, like are trying to make a deal, like trying to prove yourself, right? Like this is, these are all, stages of grief that have not been completed, that have not been resolved. Like you have not found acceptance around that thing. Like I remember, I've shared the story many times, but when I was 16 years old, you know, I fell in love for the first time. And the, the girl I fell in love with, like cheated on me, broke my heart. And like, I, I bawled my eyes out and like begged her not to leave me. I mean, it was probably, probably like the most pathetic moment of my life. Right. And And like, I'm sitting here like bawling my eyes out, begging her not to leave me. Meanwhile, she's already in a relationship with someone else. Like she's already been cheating on me. Like I just made a complete fool out of me. And like, honestly, I moved on from that pretty quickly. I moved on from that. Like, you know, I got over like, yeah, I'm I'm moving on. Screw her, whatever, you know, talked all kinds of shit about her. And like, you know, I don't need her. And like, you know, but what I was really in was denial and anger, like denying that the experience ever affected me and angry that it happened, angry that she did that, like bitter and resentful and angry and in denial. And you know what? I lived that for like a whole decade. Like that happened when I was 16. Like I was probably 26 about the time I finally let go of that, about the time I finally found acceptance around that incident. And, and what's so like, like the only reason I even found acceptance around that incident was because I got into healing work. Like if I hadn't done that, I'd still probably be carrying that. And I'd still be carrying that into all my relationships. And like, let me point out that in that whole 10 years that I was carrying that, that I hadn't resolved that, I didn't have a single healthy relationship in that entire period of time. Because I was carrying that. And I was angry and I was hurt and I was resentful. Because I hadn't completed that. Like there was, there was an incomplete cycle that was active inside of my being. And you see, when there's an incomplete cycle that's active inside of our being, this is what happens. Is you show up to a new relationship, new possibility. Like you might be on a first date with someone you've never met this person before. You don't know who they are. You don't know where they're from. You don't know their story. You don't know what's happening for them. You don't like just brand new date, new possibility. The only thing you really know about this person is that you don't know anything. It's a blank possibility. It's it's just a new opportunity. Anything could happen here. But when when I am not in a place of acceptance with all of my past, with everything I've been through, with all the relationships, with all the experiences, when I'm not in a place of acceptance with that, and as I said earlier, acceptance is defined as the ability to be at peace and find joy around everything in your life as it is in the current moment. Now, when I'm not in a place of acceptance with everything in my life, I show up to this relationship with this person and everything they say and everything they do is going to trigger 
an unresolved cycle from my past. Like, so everything I say, I'm like, can I trust that? Can I believe that? Like, they, they, they said this, that reminds me of when my ex said something like that. Well, when my ex said it, they were cheating on me. Like, maybe this person's cheating on me, right? Or, or maybe, maybe this person's lying. Like, like they said that, but the, I don't know. That, like, that reminds me of something that happened in the past when I like, are they lying right now? And, and we live in like a hyper-defensive, hyper-protective, hyper-critical way of like relating with others because we are living in unresolved cycles of the past. And so when, when all these unresolved cycles are active inside of our being, inside of our consciousness, inside of our body, like we are literally having trauma responses all the time. And a trauma response, like I, some of these terms, like, like when I talk about grief or I talk about trauma response, there are extreme versions of this, right? There are trauma responses where we literally freeze and we can't speak or do anything. But then there are more subtle trauma responses where it just starts a cycle of rumination in our minds. And we just start ruminating about something. It's like, it's like an obsessive kind of thinking that doesn't go away. And we just think and think and think. And we think about it from this angle and think about it from that angle and think about it from the other angle and this. And, and we, we, go, we go through every single possible scenario about a hundred times over. And, and when we're done with it, we're completely fucking exhausted, but we've taken no real ground. Like if you've ever been stuck in a rumination cycle like that, just tap that hard a few times because I, I know I'm not the only one. Right? You're just thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it and on and on and on. It just goes on endlessly and endlessly. And when you're done with it, you're exhausted, but you haven't really gotten anywhere with it. You like It hasn't really brought anything new to light for you. You've just been exhausting yourself for days or weeks. And it's because, like, like, I want you to understand, if that's happening for you or if that has happened for you, the reason that happens is because you're trying to move forward in your life while have while you haven't completed unresolved things from your past. And so you're trying to move forward, but the things you're moving into are triggering unresolved things from your past and it's keeping you stuck. It's keeping you in a holding pattern. And the first thing like we have to do if you really want to go somewhere in your life, like you might be like, maybe you're in a relationship right now and you're like, you know, I'm dating this person and we've been talking, but just like, no matter what I do, like, I can't like find happiness in this relationship. Like I'm always anxious. I'm always stressed out. I'm always worried. I'm always wondering. I'm always questioning. I'm always like, do they like me? Are they losing interest? Like, and, and you're just like constantly stuck in this. Or maybe you're single. And you want to get into a relationship, but no matter how many people you date, you're just like, it never goes anywhere. I just feel like I'm banging my head against the wall. Like I go on date after date, after date, after date, after date. And no matter what I do, it never goes anywhere. Well, you've got to understand you're trying to move forward, but you're operating over a lot of unresolved stuff. Like you, you really can't fake out the universe. You, like you, you cannot force this. What you create in relationships, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're dating, whether you're in a new relationship, no, it doesn't matter where you are. Whatever relationship you're in or not is going to reflect 
the state of healing that you have internally. And if you're living with all these unresolved cycles, all this undigested resentment, all this need to prove yourself, all this need to bargain and argue and fight and force and play games and pretend and live in these power dynamics and all this stuff, like your relationships are always going to reflect that. You know, if there's a deep sense of sadness and loss and a feeling of unworthiness and you keep trying to push forward, you keep trying, like, like and, and this is what happens. Because this is what our egos tell us. And it's, it's so important to, to really have a sense of what the ego is and how it operates so you can see it happening within yourself because what our egos do is our egos tell us that we can make up for all the pain of the past by finding something external that's going to make up for it. And so like this is this is our internal conversation and so much of this is subconscious but the more you pay attention to it, the more you'll actually start to see how it happens, when it happens, how often it happens. Like, because so much of it is like an unconscious program that's running in the background. But what our egos tell us is they tell us you've had all this pain in the past, all this disappointment, all this letdown. You've been used. You've been abused. You've been taken advantage of. You've been lied to. You've been cheated on. You've been manipulated. But if you can just find one person who's not going to do that to you, if you could just find one person who's going to love you, and by the way, this person also has to be super hot and, and they have to like, you know, be, they have to check all these boxes on your list and they have to, they have to be just like all the people who hurt you, except better than them. Right? So you can't go find like a different kind of person who actually would love you. You have to find the same kind of person who has hurt you all these times in the past, but this time they're not going to hurt you. And that's what's going to make it right. And if you could just find this impossible thing, then everything will be good and you'll live happily ever after. Like the ego, the ego lives by the slogan, seek and do not find. And the ego's motivation is to keep you searching for happiness, but to never actually find it. So to keep looking for another relationship, to keep looking for another external validation, to keep looking for another external success, to keep looking for one more thing to fill that bottomless pit of emptiness that you feel inside, but to never actually resolve it or complete it in a real way. And so the ego says, no, 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 don't look at the pain. Don't look at the incomplete cycles of grieving that you're living in. Don't look at all this buried resentment and sadness and depression and bargaining that you've been carrying around your whole life. Like, don't look at all of that. Just pretend that's not there. It's like the Wizard of Oz. Like, don't look at the guy behind the curtain. But just keep going outside of yourself. Keep going out into the world. Keep looking for one more external thing to make you feel better about who you are. And if you get enough externally, it's going to make you feel enough on the inside. 
And theoretically, it should work, right? Theoretically, it should work. Because you say, I feel unlovable inside. But if I can find someone outside of myself that's going to pour love into me, that's going to love me, and they're going to see that I'm lovable, and they're going to see that I'm worthy, and they're going to want me, and they're going to, like all of this, if, if I can find something outside of myself that's going to pour love into me, that should fill up the emptiness I feel inside, and that should make me feel lovable. Theoretically, it should work. The problem is, and I want everyone to listen to this because this is the important part. The problem is that when I find myself in front of that person and they're pouring love into me, the love that they're pouring into me is too inconsistent with the identity I have based on my past. Because when I'm living in these incomplete cycles, when I'm living in these incomplete cycles, right? My, my dad traumatized me when I was a teenager and I haven't come to acceptance around that. I haven't found peace around that yet, right? My, my girlfriend cheated on me and, and left me for another guy and I haven't accepted that. I haven't found, I haven't found completion around that experience yet. Right. When I, when I was in my twenties, I got into a relationship and I was abused and, and whatever. And, you know, when I was, when I was five years old, my, my mom was too busy and she constantly left me at different people's houses and I constantly felt abandoned and alone and just on and on and on. Right. Like I could go on, but, but these are the life experiences we have. And when we haven't found acceptance around these experiences, when they're still alive inside of our bodies, when they're still informing our identity every day. I feel that who I am is what those experiences told me I am. So when I'm three years old and my mom is a single mother who's working a full-time job and going to school and she's too busy for me, but at three years old, I don't understand that she's legitimately too busy. I just feel that I always want my mother and she never has time for me. And she leaves me here and she leaves me there and she leaves me at the babysitter. She leaves me with her grandma. She leaves me with her friend. She leaves me at the college dorm. She leaves me at all these different places. And I just want to be with my mom, but I can never be with her. And so I start to feel in my forming brain that's not even fully formed yet, that can't even really make rational ideas. I just start to feel that my mother doesn't want me. And then I start to, as I grow up, starting with this childhood feeling that my mother doesn't want me, and then I start to grow up, I start to create an identity as somebody who is not wanted, as somebody who's not lovable, as somebody who's not desirable to people. And then this informs my relationships. And so I start to seek out relationships with people that are going to reinforce those ideas. And then maybe this happens for 30, 40, 50 years. And then I find myself in my 30s or 40s or 50s and I'm dating somebody and they're pouring love into me and they want to love me and they see that I'm worthy, but I can't receive it because I don't feel worthy of love. I'm still identified with all these past experiences. I'm still living in these active, incomplete cycles that I'm still grieving, that I haven't found acceptance around. 
And so what am I going to do? I meet that person. They're pouring love into me. I'm going to push them away. I'm going to say, ooh, you're gross. You make me cringe. You're unattractive to me. And I'm going to go seek out one of those other people where I tune into these subtle cues that inform me that they are going to reinforce the patterns of my past. And I'm going to engage with them, opening up a new cycle of grief that will also stay incomplete. And then I'll carry that into my next relationships and on 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 it goes. And so you've got to, you've got to check in sometimes and like really ask yourself, like how many incomplete cycles am I living in here? And so I see the question, how do we move into acceptance? Right. And that's, that's really the, the big, the big point here. How do we start completing these cycles? And I, I want to say that you don't have to go back to every single thing, first of all, right? So completing the cycles doesn't mean that you go back to everything that every single thing that ever happened in your life and you like, okay, one by one, complete it, complete it, complete it. No, if you truly bring acceptance to one significant event in your life, that will spill over and you will naturally accept many things in your life. So you don't have to work with every single thing. You just have to work with the obvious things. So how did I bring acceptance to my girlfriend cheating on me when I was 16 years old, right? Which was which was a 10 year grief process for me, right? It was like, it was like 16 to 26. I was pretty devastated by that. Maybe, maybe not quite 26. Maybe it was like 23, 24. I started to get over it, but it was, it defined a whole period of my life, that experience. Now, how did I get through that? Well, first, the first thing I had to do was I had to move out of denial around it. I had to actually realize that at 22, 23 years old, that experience was still defining my life. So when we talk about moving into acceptance, first thing you've got to do is, rec- like, am I even in denial around it, first of all? Like, so many of us, our egos couldn't handle the reality that those experiences actually hurt us, right? Like a lot of you, a lot of you might have an ex that you look at and you're like, oh my God, they were such an asshole, right? Like I I can't believe I ever even loved that person. I can't believe I ever even let that person into my life, right? So you might have an experience where you look back at your past and you go, oh, well, there was this total jerk. Like, I can't believe I ever felt anything for them. Like what the fuck was wrong with me? And so This is just one example, and there are different ways this could look. But if you had an experience like that, you might might not allow yourself to really feel how deeply that experience affected you because you've decided that that person is not worth it, right? They're just an asshole. They're just a jerk. They're just a loser. They don't deserve it. They're not worth it. I'm not even going to give them that much time. And so I'm just going to push through this power through this 
screw them. And I'm not allowing myself to really feel how deeply that experience affected me. Now, there are lots of reasons we might do that. Another reason you might do it is just like sheer survival. Like, let's say, let's say you're a single parent. Like maybe you had, maybe you had a partner that you had some children with, and then they just walked out on you. And now here you are, a single parent, maybe you have two or three kids you have to provide for. Your partner just fell off the face of the earth, completely ghosted you, disappeared. Like you're literally alone. You're grieving the loss of your partner. You're grieving the loss of your child's father. You're, you're like dealing with this incredible like life stress of like, oh my God, I'm all alone now. How am I going to take care of my kids? Like you don't even have the luxury of like really sitting and going like, how is this affecting me? Like you're literally just in survival. You're like, I've got to take care of my kids. I've got to take care of myself. I've got to make sure we all stay alive and don't die, right? So like there's, there's not even an opportunity in an experience like that to really be present to what was happening for you. You just have to move on. You know, like when I, when I think about being 16 years old and my girlfriend cheating on me and like, you know, like this was, this was my first love. And I was, I was young. I was naive. I I was like, I mean, I was, I had a lot of stuff going on. I, I wish, I wish I had had some more guidance at that time in my life, which I just didn't have. But you know, where I was, like, I was devastated. I was devastated. Like it was, it was like literally, and you know, we think about like childhood breakups, like what's the big deal? It was devastating for me. But I also had a father, like, like the same night she broke up with me, my father looks at me and he's like, listen, she's already fucking someone else by now. Get over it. Right. Like that's, that was the, that was the consolation my father offered me around this. And so here I am experiencing like literally a devastating level of grief and having my father, like my, my only real support system at the time, that was the advice he gave me. And then he handed me a joint. He's like, here, you want to smoke? Like, that'll make you feel better. Right. So he, he tells me she's already fucking someone else. Get over it. And then he hands me a joint. And so that was how I coped with the situation. And so, yes, on, on the reality, on the real level of what was happening for me, I was devastated. Like I, I, I didn't even know how I could go forward in life. But then I had this external pressure telling me to repress it, telling me to move on to like giving me these really toxic messages about it. And so I had to adapt. You see, I didn't have to be stuck in that cycle for 10 years. If I had had like, if, if maybe my father had been a different person and he had had the awareness of what was actually going on for me. And he had said like, wow, like this is really affecting you in a, in a bad way. Like maybe you should speak to a therapist about this, right? If I had had that kind of guidance in my life, I may have gotten into an environment where somebody could actually show me how to work through this cycle And I might've been able to complete it within a year, within a few months. And I might've had the next 10 years of my life be very different. I might've never gone to jail. Like I, like so much of my life might've been different if I hadn't spent the next 10 years living in that grieving cycle, but it is what it is. And I'm not lamenting the past. I'm just using this as an illustration. And so the first thing we've got to do to move into acceptance is acknowledge the grief that we're carrying. Acknowledge how deeply 
those experiences have hurt us. And again, like you don't have to work with every single experience, but you got to work with the big ones. And so as I've been in therapy, I started doing therapy a couple of years ago. Um, I, I was, I've been in the coaching world for over a decade now. I mean, I've, I've been coaching and I've had coaches and I've been in this world for over a decade, but a couple of years ago, I started getting into therapy and therapy is different than coaching. It's, it's, they're, they're both incredible tools, but they have different, they have different vibes, different ways of working with things. And coaching I'd say is, is a lot more about the future and, and therapy is a lot more about the past is, is one of the best ways to look at it. But in therapy, something that came up for me is, as I was talking about my relationship, my relationship with my mother and just different things. And, and something that came up for me was I remembered that one day my mom just started taking me to daycares. You know, my whole childhood, I'd stayed with my grandmother and for, I don't remember the reason. I'm sure there was a reason. I don't remember what it was, but one day I stopped staying with my grandmother and I started getting taken to daycares. And I remember just like these intense, like screaming tantrums I would throw when, when my mom would drop me off at daycare and I would just, I would not want to go. And what I, what I worked with around that was I realized is like, there's some abandonment stuff that I've been carrying my whole life from all the way back then. And you know, me being like macho guy, not that that's who I am, but you know, I, there's an element of that being a guy, right? So, so like, you know, me being like me having that element of like, oh, I'm not gonna let this get to me and I'm tough and, and whatever. Like I would have never in a million years stopped to think about how my mom dropping me off at daycare when I was a child affected me if I hadn't been working with a therapist who actually illustrated that. So it's like there's a kind of automatic denial that we live in until we start honestly investigating these things, right? There's a kind of automatic denial we just live in like, oh, that's, that was a long time ago. It doesn't matter. And so the first thing we've got to do is actually recognize like it does matter. And I'm not saying we need to be victims to it. We don't need to go cry about it. We don't, I mean, if you, if you do need to cry, then cry. But, but like, it doesn't need to be so dramatic. It doesn't need to be this big thing. It just needs to be recognizing, you know what? Like I've gone through a lot of experiences in my life and they've affected me. Like I have been affected by my life experiences and some of them I haven't resolved yet. And I've had some trauma in my life that is actively informing me about who I am, about what's possible for me, about what I can have, about what I can't have. When I'm on a date with someone, the degree to which my trauma is still active is telling me whether I'm lovable or not. And I am going to relate with that person according to how my trauma informs me, according to what degree I'm being informed by my trauma. I'm going to either let love into my life or push it out. And so we've got to just start waking up to, wow, I have been deeply affected by my life experiences. My life experiences have, have created an identity that tells me who I think I am. And I carry that into every single situation, 
every single experience all the time. And I actually can only relate with my life experiences according to the identity that I carry. And in every situation, I am either opening up new possibilities or closing them down based on the degree to which my trauma is active. And so for someone who you feel like you have a small life, you feel like, you're, you're, like you, your life just never goes anywhere. There's not a lot of possibility. There's not a lot of opportunity. You know, you try things, but they never really work out. Your life never really takes off. Nothing ever really happens for you. Well, if you feel like that's what, if you feel like that's the case for you, you've got to understand what creates that. There, there is trauma in your past that is literally acting like walls in your life that will only let you go so far. And so you go this way, you go that way, you go the other way, but your life never seems to move anywhere. Because no matter where you go, you hit those walls of trauma. If you start completing some of these cycles, those walls will disappear and new possibilities will open up in your life. That's how it works. And so the first thing is to just acknowledge that that, the, that this has affected me, that this has shaped my identity, this has shaped the way I see myself, the way I understand myself. That's removing denial, which is the first stage of grief is denial, right? The biggest thing that will prevent you from healing any, any level of grief is denying that it's even there. The second level is anger, the third level is bargaining, and the fourth level is depression. And I think these three are kind of interchangeable. It's not necessarily that it goes anger, bargaining, then depression, although it can. Sometimes it might go depression, bargaining, anger. Sometimes it might go anger, depression, bargaining. Sometimes it might go anger, depression, anger, depression, anger, depression, bargaining, depression, anger, anger, depression, bargaining. Like you might bounce through them. You might jump to one and back to the other because they're all, they're all different forms of the same thing. And what they are are different forms of resistance to the experience, right? So let, let's just say somebody left me, right? I, I met someone, we developed a really passionate attraction to each other. Things got really hot and heavy. We developed a lot of feelings. I started dreaming about having a future with them and then they left. Most of us can probably plug ourselves into that situation at some point in our lives. So that's what happened. They left. Now. I can deny that that even affected me. I don't care. Screw them. That doesn't bother me. I'm over it, right? Or I can recognize, okay, that did affect me. I had a lot of feelings, a lot of hopes, a lot of dreams, a lot of desires around this relationship. I wanted it to go somewhere. Them leaving really hurt. I'm acknowledging it. I'm removing the denial, okay? Now what am I feeling around the experience? Anger is anger, right? I hate, anger is like, anger is the emotion of hate right? Like, I, I hate that this happened. I hate this person. How could they do this to me? They're such an asshole. They're so inconsiderate. How could they not care? Like, anger anger is like a, a kind of projecting resistance, right? I, I'm, I'm in resistance to the situation, and I'm projecting it outward. Depression is the opposite of that. Depression is, I'm in resistance to the situation, and I'm projecting it inward right? It's like self-hatred, 
right? What's wrong with me? Why wasn't I enough for them? Why wouldn't they love me? Did I do something wrong? Why does this always happen to me? Why am I so unlovable? Like, right, that's that's depression. It's like It's like the sadness, like there's something wrong with me, like I'm not enough. Anger is putting it outward. Depression is bringing it inward. Bargaining is somewhere in the middle of that, right? Is there something I can do to get them back? Is there... Maybe if I did this, maybe if I said this, maybe I'm not going to call or text them for a week, right? It's, it's bargaining is the game playing. It's the, it's the, well, what if this? Well, what if that? It's the, you know, it's maybe I'm not enough for them as I am myself, but if I pretend to be more than I am, then maybe they'll love me, right? All of that's bargaining. And so if you're in anger, if you're in depression, if you're in bargaining, again, these are all forms of resistance. You've got to really feel what's going on there. And as you feel what's going on there, it will move out of your body and you will move into acceptance. So the anger, bargaining, depression stage of the whole thing is like the, it's like working through your resistance around it. And again, it doesn't always go anger, bargaining, depression. You can go forward and back. You can go, you can bounce around between all of them because they're all just different forms of resistance. It's you not being in acceptance of the situation. And you're basically going to bounce around among those three things until you move into acceptance. But this is what happens. And this is what I was saying earlier is the ego the ego always wants to take you outward. So the ego doesn't want you to accept. It doesn't want you to feel what's happening and move into acceptance around it. The ego wants you to keep doing something, keep trying to control the situation, keep trying to manipulate it to work out the way you want it to, keep trying to force it, keep justifying it, keep explaining it. Like what the ego does is it disembodies us. Like I talked earlier about the kind of rumination we get stuck in, like thinking about it from this angle and that angle and the other angle and from every possible way and exhausting every possible outcome. And what if this happens? And what if that happens? Well, if they say this, I'm going to say this and then I'll say this. And like the constant rumination, the never ending. What the ego does around our trauma or our pain or our disappointment in life is it takes us out of our body and into our minds around it. And we try to mentally control the experiences that are happening in our lives rather than really opening ourselves up to the experience and feeling it fully. You move into acceptance by feeling it fully. Thinking about it does nothing but perpetuate it and continue to build up the resistance around it. And then I want to add an element to this too, because like, you know, I'm talking about an example, like if someone leaves you, right? That's pretty obvious. You know, they left, you know what you're in resistance to, you know what you're feeling, you know why you're feeling it, right? Like that's pretty obvious. But most of us are in cycles from way, way in our past, from when we were children, from when we were 
teenagers, from our first like few intimate experiences, like from things that happened a long, long time ago. And we're not even aware that we're still actively in those cycles. And we're experiencing all this resistance and we don't even know what it's about. And that's really, that's really the bigger predicament. Because if you've been carrying this for years and you don't even know why you're carrying it, you don't even know where it started or where it came from or what it's happening around. But then every time you go into a relationship with someone or you try to get into a relationship with someone or if you're in a relationship with someone, but it seems like every time you try to have a serious conversation with them, you get into a fight. Or every time you're dating someone, like you get into the relationship a certain ways, maybe a month in or a couple of months in, but then all of a sudden you become uncontrollably anxious and you sabotage the relationship, right? Or, I mean, these are just some examples, but like wherever your blockages are, you've got to understand this is where it's coming from. Whatever those blockages are, this is where it's coming from. And so... What, what I want to say is that we need to move out of the denial around this. And the denial for most of us looks like I'm good. I don't need anything. I'm good. I got it. I'm over it. It's not bothering me. It, like, it doesn't have me. Right? Like, most of us are living in a kind of just general denial around our pain in general. Like we're just not really allowing ourselves to see how much it affects us and in what ways it affects us. You know, it's like I did a lot of work as a single person. I did a lot of work in the first few years of my relationship with my wife. And then, you know, we're we, like, we've been together seven years now and we've got, we've been through a lot together. I mean, we've been through pandemic together. We've been through cancer together. We've been through so three years long distance. Like we've been through so much together. And the more we go into our relationship, the more obvious it is becoming where we still have unhealed stuff because you can't hide from it. And if you do try to, like, here's the thing. If I was more committed to hiding from my past trauma or, or dysfunctional stuff, whatever you want to call it, than I was to having a loving, healthy relationship with my wife, then our relationship could not survive. Right? Like, if I was more committed to being in denial about this stuff, than I was to my relationship with my wife, then our relationship could not survive. Because I would reach a certain point in this relationship where it would hit a wall and I would not be able to go past that wall without doing some kind of healing around that. And if I wasn't willing to do that healing, then I would sacrifice the relationship. And if you ever feel like you've sabotaged a relationship in your life, if you look back and you're like, you know, that could have been a good thing, but I just, I feel like I sabotaged it and I don't know why. This is why. This is why. It's because you reached a point 
where there was some degree of healing that needed to happen there. And you were more committed to remaining in denial about that than you were to actually keeping the relationship. And so you, you sabotage the relationship in order to hang on to the trauma. And so what I really want to get at here is that for those of you, and I, I mean, really, this is all of us. I think this is every human being on the planet. But for those of you who are aware of this right now, I'll put it that way. For those of you who really want more from life, you want extraordinary love, you want extraordinary experience, you want you like not just love from a partner. And I, I know we want, we want a partner and we deserve to have that, but like deep friendship, like passion and a feeling of aliveness and freedom and like the feeling that you can go where you want to go in life, the feeling that you can be the person you want to be, the feeling that you can do the things you want to do, the feeling that you can have the things you want to have. Be that love, be that anything else. Like I know we get on here and we talk about love, but love is such a bigger conversation than just getting a partner. Like love is something that is alive inside of your soul. It's an energy that fills you up from the inside out. And the love that you have in your external relationships is only a reflection of that energy. Right? Like love is not something you get from someone else. It's something you fill yourself up with from the inside out. And it spills over out of you into the world. And then when that energy is pouring out of you, it attracts in all the people that are able to receive that. And so, yes, you have an amazing, loving partner. Why? Because they responded to the energy that you were putting out. And they said, I want some more of that energy in my life. And you have amazing, deep friendships with where you can have like deep, heartfelt conversations and like know each other's heart. Why? Because they responded to the energy that you were putting out. They said, I want more of that. I can vibe with that. That resonates with me. Right? Like that's what love is. Love comes from inside of you and it spills out into the world and then it brings more love back in. And like, that's what we really want in life. That's what we really want. And the only thing between us and that experience of life are all the things in our past that we haven't accepted yet. Like, can you really get that? Can you really get that it's that simple? You want to be filled up with love from the inside out. Be so full of love that it fills like every ounce of your being and is spilling out over into the world. And the only thing that is blocking that experience are all the things in your past that you have not accepted yet. Are all the grief cycles from your past that you're still stuck in. And so many of you, I mean, especially on Valentine's Day, right? It's like, I just want to date for Valentine's Day. I just don't want to be alone on Valentine's Day. I just want to meet someone. I just want to be with someone, right? I'm not saying all of you are like that, but some people are like that, right? But the most important thing for any, and I'm including myself in this, right? Like before I go, try to have like a romantic Valentine's Day with my wife, the most important thing for me to do 
is look inside myself and see if there's anything that's unresolved there. Because like, I'm going to put it into reality for myself right now. Like tomorrow's Valentine's Day. I, I have dinner plans with my wife. We're going to have a nice date night. If I show up tomorrow night for our Valentine's Day date night and I'm carrying some stuff maybe because program launch I did didn't go the way I wanted it to or I got some feedback on social media that made me feel small or I had an interaction with a client that was a little uncomfortable and I'm worried about it or I'm just making stuff up. I'm not any of this is necessarily true, but I'm just making stuff up, right? But, but let's say... I'm stuck in some kind of unresolved cycle from my own life. And then I'm going and trying to like create connection with my wife. I'm not going to be available for that. Because my heart isn't open. Because I'm not really in love. I'm in fear. I'm in the questioning. I'm in the bargaining. I'm in the, am I enough? Do I need to do more? Do I need to do it this way? Do I need to do it that way? Maybe if I had said it differently, it would have gone different. Like if I'm in all of that, I'm not in love and therefore I can't experience love. And it doesn't matter how hard I try. I'm only going to experience more of that. And so the most important thing that any of us can do. It doesn't matter if you're married. It doesn't matter if you're single. Like It doesn't matter. The most important thing that any of us can do is investigate the incomplete cycles within ourselves. Find the things within ourselves, within our past, within our life, the parts of ourselves that we have not accepted yet. The parts of ourselves that we have not learned to love and to let those things be okay, and to forgive any perceived inadequacy, or if we got rejected in the past, to forgive whatever judgment we're holding around that. And then from a clean and a clear place to go forward to start creating the life and the love that we truly want to have. That is the most important thing we can do. So I, I want to I encourage everyone right now because I know it's Valentine's Day tomorrow and a lot of you, as you hear this message, you may be feeling frustration or, you know, you look around and you see the movies and the commercials on television and you see all the couples going out to dinner and, you know, maybe maybe your relationship is in that place right now or maybe you're not in a relationship right now and and you're struggling with that. But I want you to recognize that that whatever you feel around that, whether it's anxiety or sadness or frustration or a sense of questioning yourself or like those are your incomplete cycles being active right now. And like maybe maybe there's not a better time to really look at that than on Valentine's Day. Right. When you look at like what triggers you on this day. What, what, are those, what are those things that just about this day that just get under your skin? Those things that you just roll your eyes out like, oh, another fucking happy couple or I don't know, right? But, but like, what are those things that are getting under your skin? And when you see that, that can start to, those can start to be like trailheads that will lead you to the incompleted cycles that you're still living in. 
And if you want to make a commitment this year, you know, to really like, to really heal, you know, like you could start now and you could say, you know what, I'm going to make my goal for this year to really investigate these incomplete cycles, like, like to really bring acceptance to all these things that I've been in resistance to, right? I've been, I can feel it inside my body. It feels heavy. It feels exhausting, right? Like I'm ready to complete this. I'm ready to move on from this. And maybe you make a commitment this year to say like, you know what? I'm really going to take this seriously this year to dive into this and really like work on healing these cycles and accepting them so I can really move forward in my life from a clear and a powerful way. And if you want to do that right now, I want to invite you to join us in the Inspired Love Program. Because like I've been doing this work a long time. I've worked with thousands of clients over the years. And what I've done is I've created a process step by step. I guide you through it. Hold your hand very simply that is literally designed to allow you to complete these cycles step by step by step by step by step. And I do that. Like I've done this and I continue to do this because like it works. Like it really works. Like when you, when you can show up on a date with someone, and you're not in your head about like, am I wasting my time? Where is this going? Do I like them? Do they like me? Like, uh, and you're all in this, like, uh, like, that's all your trauma. That's all that incomplete stuff. But when you can just show up and be like, I'm just happy to be here. I'm just happy to be out of my house, like connecting with another human being. Like, it doesn't really matter where this goes. I'm not attached. I'm just happy to be here right now. Right? Like it's, it's a completely different way of life. It changes everything when you can stop living in a constant state of resistance everywhere you go, being triggered by everything that's happening. You know, you work so hard to psych yourself up and, and get motivated and get your mojo going and finally feel good just to get triggered again and feel completely deflated. Like, I really hope you see that if that is happening for you and that is happening for you time and time again, that's not magically going to change. Like it's, it's not just one day you're just going to wake up and it's going to stop happening. And so like, this is your opportunity. And I'd say like, what better time to do it than now, right? On Valentine's day to really make this commitment to like, to like, Stop worrying about like who's going to love me and just like start worrying about not even worrying, but start being committed to like, how deeply am I going to love myself this year? How committed am I going to be this year to my own health, to my own healing, to my own extraordinary life? And I want you to know that if you're, if you're ready to really be serious about that, like you have a community of people here that, that are ready to receive you and work with you and support you in the most extraordinary journey of your life. And everything is going to change as a result of that. So anyway, Inspired Love is open for enrollment right now. And what I want to do is give everybody the opportunity to get started with that this Valentine's Day. So um, if you're with me on Instagram right now and you want to get started, you can just DM me the word love. Um, if you just want to do that, DM me the word love. We'll send you all the details to get started. If you're listening to the podcast, I'm going to leave the link right below the, the episode here. 
um, in the description for you to get started there. And I just really want to encourage, like, you know, you don't have to keep struggling. You don't have to keep suffering year after year, one more year, another year, it didn't happen. Another year, I feel more lonely. Another year, I feel more hopeless. Another year, I feel more farther away from everything I want in life. Like you don't have to keep struggling like that year after year. All you got to do is make a commitment to change and get serious about it. And if you're ready to do that, like we're here. We've been doing it for years, thousands of clients. It just gets better and better and better. So that's the message that I want to really leave you with this Valentine's Day. I know this is a day that, you know, maybe some of you are feeling amazing today. And if you are, I love that and just keep rocking on. But I know this is a day where so many of us are questioning and doubting and judging and wondering and comparing and feeling like we fall short in comparison to the things we see around us. And I just want you to know that it does not have to be that way. There is a way out. And if you're feeling that right now, I just want to encourage you to take that way out. So that being said, um, I'll open up for some questions today. If you have questions, go ahead and drop them in the chat. So this question is from Lena Varvarova. And she says, if a guy broke up clearly because of avoiding attachment he has, I'm, I'm, hold on, let me start over. If a guy broke up clearly because of avoiding attachment he has, I'm anxious avoidant one, but we're friendly in touch and I still feel we have feelings for each other. Is it okay for a woman to initiate the talk? Yes, it's okay. Like, you know, let me, so... It sounds like your question is really about like, is it okay for a woman to initiate? And like, I think there's a lot of confusion around this because I mean, people say, you know, he should chase you and all this stuff, but it's like, you gotta be a participant. And like the way a lot of people talk about this is so misleading because they, they make it sound like you should just sit there and do nothing. And that men should be like beating down your door to be in a relationship with you. And if that's not happening, that there's something wrong, like that's bullshit. Like you got to participate. Like what kind of self-respecting man would be beating down anyone's door to be in a relationship with someone who's showing him no interest or no attention. Like he would never, like, I, I mean, just speaking for myself, like, if a woman showed me no interest, no attention, no kind of open door, there was no way in hell I was going to pursue her. I mean, I may have asked her out just if I had just met her or something, but if she didn't act interested, if she didn't reciprocate the interest, if she didn't participate with us, I wasn't going to pursue her. Like, no, you, you have to participate. So is it okay for a woman to initiate? Absolutely, it's okay for a woman to initiate. What I would say is not okay in the context of what we're talking about here. It's not okay for a woman to chase. And like, let's talk about why even. The, the reason is, I think it really comes down to safety. It, it really comes down to safety. And in, in a relational dynamic between a man and a woman, the man's role is to create an environment in which the woman feels safe, right? Like that, 
like I would say, and we, we need to go even a little bit deeper with this one because like, why, why is it that way? Let's even talk about that. Well, the reason it is that way is because the, like evolutionarily speaking, women have been very, very vulnerable. And like, I mean, they still are like, honestly, like a man can overpower a woman in 90% of cases. But I'd say women are safer today than they've ever been in history. That doesn't mean they're completely safe. And, and please hear me, I'm not saying that women are completely safe. I'm saying they are safer today than they've ever been before. Historically, women have been completely vulnerable. And like, like I mean, like if we took, if we talk about like caveman days, like if a woman did not have a male protector in caveman days, she was completely vulnerable. She was just like basically left to the wolves. Anything could happen to her. Right. So evolutionarily speaking, in the relational dynamic between a man and a woman, the man's role has been to create a space of safety for the woman. Now, when a woman starts chasing a man, she is very vulnerable. She's very unsafe. And that man is basically like leaving her out to the wolves. So when he's giving her very little investment, very little attention, very little engagement, he's not asking her out. He's not making plans. He's not making an effort. He's not calling. He's not texting. He's not trying to see her, right? When he's not doing that, he is not giving her any safety or any security. And for her to continue pursuing him puts her in a very vulnerable position. So, like, that's really what it's about. It's about, like, if you, if you pursue a man who is not creating a safe space for you, that's not only going to be the condition while you're dating, that's going to be the condition for your entire relationship and he's going to take and take and take and take from you, meaning he's going to sleep with you. He's going to hang out with you when he wants to. He's going to use you for a good time. He's going to use you for companionship and friendship. But if he's not making that safe space for you, that means he has no intention of really keeping you. And when he's done using you, you're going to be left out to the wolves and he's going to move on with his life. So this is why we say for a woman to not chase. It's because you need, as, as like a requirement to be in relationship with you, you need a man who prioritizes creating a safe space for you. So that's why you don't chase. But not chasing doesn't mean that you don't initiate conversations. It doesn't mean that you don't ask for what you want. It doesn't mean that you don't reciprocate the interest or participate in the relationship, right? So now if I'm going to go back to this question here, he broke up because he has an avoidant attachment style. You're anxious slash avoidant, but you're still friendly. You're still in touch and you feel there are feelings for each other. Is it okay for you to initiate the talk? Sure it is. You could say, hey, you know, I know we broke up because of, you know, our differences and attachment styles and all of this, but look, we've been keeping in touch. We're friendly with each other. 
Like, what do you think about giving this a shot? It's totally okay to bring that up. But here's the, here's the catch. Here's the rub, right? It's like, if you bring that up and that conversation does not inspire him to start stepping up and creating a safe space for you, then you need to accept that when it comes down to it, this guy doesn't give a fuck. He might like you as a person. He might think you're cool. He might have fun when you hang out. He might enjoy being friendly with you and talking to you. If you're sexually active with him, he probably enjoys that. But when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, he could let you fall out of his life and it wouldn't be that big of a deal to him. And and I know that might be harsh to hear and I'm not saying that to be mean. But I'm saying that because if that's the reality of the situation, face it. Because like you right now, I'm going to I'm going to dig into this one a little deeper. Because you say he has an avoidant style, but you have an anxious avoidant one but you're still friendly and you keep in touch. Okay, here's my question for you. Who's doing more of the keeping in touch? Are you reaching out more or is he? He broke up with you because he has more of an avoidant style. I would be willing to bet. I'd be willing to bet that that you've been keeping in touch with him because of your anxious style. Hoping that you keeping in touch with him is going to have him see how great you are, have him see what he's missing out on, have him see how great a relationship with you could be, and then he's going to want to get back together. And you've been broken up for a while, and you've been maintaining the connection and saying that, yeah, we're friendly, and I feel like there are still feelings for each other. Maybe we're going to get back together. And you've been hoping that he was going to bring it up, but he hasn't brought it up. And so now you're wondering, is it okay for me to bring it up? And you're actually skewing it into a conversation about what's okay for the woman to do and what's okay for the man to do because skewing it and making it about that makes it easier to avoid dealing with what's really happening in this relationship. And what's really happening in this relationship is the fact that he's avoidant, you're anxious, he's pulling away, you're chasing, and you want to keep chasing. And what I'm going to point out, if we bring it back to the entire conversation we've had today, is you are living in an incomplete cycle with this man right now. If everything I said was correct, maybe it wasn't. And if it wasn't correct, I know it was correct for someone out there. Because I'm talking about a very, very, very common pattern. I bet money it's correct for you, but if it's not, forgive me. But I know it's correct for someone out there. And. If it is correct for you, or if it's not correct for you, then for whoever it is correct for that I'm talking about, I want you to realize you are living in an incomplete cycle with this person. You have not accepted. He broke up because of his avoidant attachment. Okay, well, like, let's let's talk about some things here for a minute. Let's talk about some things. He broke up because of his avoidant attachment. Now, a couple of things happened there. One, either he is so extremely avoidant 
that he's not in a place where he can have a healthy relationship and he has some personal work to do. Or you are so extremely anxious that you triggered his avoidance and pushed him away. One of those two things happened. How do I know that? Because if one of those two things hadn't happened, the two of you would still be together. Now, there's something that you're not accepting in this situation. There's something that you're not accepting here. There's there's a level of acceptance that you haven't come to. Either you haven't accepted the fact that he doesn't want this relationship and you're still hanging around waiting and hoping, or you haven't accepted the fact that your trauma reactions are are too active and too strong right now to actually get into a healthy relationship. And it could be one or the other, or it could actually be both. In in fact, it it likely might be both, right? Because your, your anxious reactions being too extreme would likely attract a partner whose avoidant reactions are too extreme. So I'm I'm shedding light on different aspects of this because I want you to see it from all the angles. To go back to your question, is it okay for you to bring it up? Yes, it's okay to bring it up. Doesn't matter. It's not it's not you bringing it up is not going to change the situation one way or the other. The situation is still going to be what it is. So bring it up if you want to. But after you bring it up, you need to really start accepting the situation for what it is. Or really allowing it to like sink in and land and hit home. The truth of where he is at and the truth of where you are at. And start dealing with things on that basis. Rather than living in a fantasy idea about what's happening. All right, lots of love. I know that was uh, maybe a tough answer for you, but it's it's the truth. And let me just see if you um, if you happen to reply to any of that. Okay, you say I do have interest in showed it, but he broke up saying that he's probably not ready for commitment. So I thought to check if he changes his mind can be perceived as, as chasing. Okay, yeah. So got it, got it. And thank you for thank you for sharing that additional insight. I'm just going to read the comment one more time. Um, I do have interest and have showed it, but he broke up saying that he is probably not ready for commitment. So I thought to check if he has changed his mind might be perceived as chasing. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that additional info. And that was the additional info I needed to say you've been chasing this whole time. Ever since he broke up, you've been chasing. Your, Your comment just confirmed that the situation is exactly what I thought it was. He broke up saying he's not ready for a relationship. At that time, when he broke up with you and said, I am not ready for a relationship. What, what, let me read it one more time. What does it say? Um, he is probably not ready for commitment. Okay. When he broke up with you and he said, I am probably not ready for commitment. The proper, healed, emotionally regulated response to that is thank you for being honest. I'm going to go look for someone who is. That was not your response, love. 
and, and I say this with lots of love and lots of compassion, that was not your response. Your response was, let me keep a friendship open. Let me continue waiting around. Let me continue to see if he changes his mind. And now you're waiting for another opportunity to bring it up, honey. You are already chasing him and you have been this whole time. This is a man who has come forward and told you, I will not create a safe space for you. He's already told you that. You are not accepting the situation as it is. You are living in an incomplete cycle right now. And that's why you're in your head ruminating about, is it okay if I ask him? You're only in that position because you're not willing to reach a point of acceptance around all of this. You're not willing to really grieve the loss, move through all of it, come to a place of acceptance with it, and then move on from there. And maybe, maybe I shouldn't say you're not willing, but I think you're in the process, right? You're you're in the process of coming to terms with this. And all I want to say is like, stop being in denial about it and face up to what it is. And I say that with a lot of love and your very best interest at heart. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for the question, sending you lots of love. All right. Hope you, hope you find your way with this. Um, okay. Uh, Fitness Journey says, uh, Shannon here, missed the podcast, but at the end, hearing what you said really triggers me still. Year after year being alone, I just feel like it won't happen, being in a small community, et cetera. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, Shannon. So, like, my question for you would be, what are you going to do about that? Right? It really triggers you hearing what I said. Year after year being alone, feeling like it won't happen, being in a small community. Okay, what are you going to do about that? Like, and, and I don't say that as pressure or as judgment, just an honest question. What do you want to do about that? What are you going to change this year? What are you going to do differently? Right? Like, I, I'm sorry it triggers you. I get it. It must be incredibly painful. Like, it must be incredibly painful to be sitting here on another Valentine's Day when you've been wanting this for years and you're watching all the couples celebrate Valentine's Day and you're going, why hasn't it happened to me for yet? Why hasn't it happened for me yet? Like that must be super painful. I get it. So what are you going to do? Or if you don't know what you're going to do, are you going to at least get some help that might help you figure out what you're going to do? Right? Like, I know a lot of you might be like, Shane, I don't know what to do. If I knew what to do, I would have done it already. Okay, well then sign up for Inspired Love. We'll help you figure out what to do. Like, I mean, seriously, like help is there. The help is there. Why aren't you taking it? Is it because you don't believe you're worthy of it? Is it because you don't think it would work for you? Do you think you're a special case that your situation is just so unique that it wouldn't work for you? It'll only work for other people? Like what are the, what are the stories you're living in that are preventing you from getting on with your life already. You say you're in a small community. What's stopping you from getting into a bigger one? And, and I know there are reasons for it, right? You say, well, I, I, have a, I have conditions. I have circumstances that prevent it. Okay. Circumstances are flexible. Circumstances can be changed. 
you know, 10 years ago, I was single, I lived in South Florida. Now I'm married and I live in New Jersey. Circumstances can change. There was a lot that needed to happen for me to change all those circumstances. Right? I had to, I had to do a lot of stuff for those circumstances to change, but they did change. And they can change for you too. So I get it, Shannon. I, I, I hear you and I'm sending you a lot of love and I want things to change for you as much as you, I might even want things to change for you more than you want things to change for you. I don't know. You might want it more. I don't know. But what I'd say is like, join Inspired Love. I did a free trial at the beginning of the year for Inspired Love. Not a lot of people signed up for it. And I was like, okay, I tried to give it away for free. I guess I'll keep charging for it because people don't want to take me up on that, right? It's like the, the help is there, but people aren't acting on it. And then you make a comment like this. And like, I just, I have so much love for you. I just, I want you to have everything you want for yourself but I can't choose to make the changes for you. You've got to choose to make the changes. And when you make the choice, we'll be here for you. I'm going to, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. I'm going to be here. I'm not going anywhere. And when you're ready, I'll be here. The Inspired Love Program will be there. The community will be there. The team of coaches will be there. It's only going to keep getting better whenever you're ready to jump in. Lots of love, Shannon. Thank you for sharing that. I hear you. I get what's on your heart. I want you to know that things can change. And you don't have to join Inspired Love. That's one way. There are lots of ways. If you don't want to do it that way, do it another way. But my question remains, what are you going to do different this year? What are you going to do this year that is radically different from everything you've done in all the past years? What are you going to do this year to completely shatter the current vibrational reality you've been living in and open up to a new one? And if you say, I don't know what to do, well, then join Inspired Love. It's not going to hurt. <laughs> so that's all I can say to that with so much love and so much compassion. And I hear you and I want to help. Lots of love to you, Shannon, and thank you so much for the comment. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, I'm going to close with that. Um, thank you, everybody, for being with me today. Thank you for the questions and comments, and um, it's always great to be on here with all of you. I always look forward to it. So sending you so much love. Um, Breath of Love is tonight. Just one last shout-out if you want to uh, get the invite for it. DM me the word breath, and we'll send you the invite. Um, aside from that, just so much love to all of you. Thank you so much for being with me today. Um, happy Valentine's Day, and uh, hope you have a great one this year. And I will see you back here next Tuesday, all right? Lots of love, everybody. Wonderful Valentine's Day. Wonderful rest of your week. And I'll see you uh, next week. Take care, everybody. Lots of love. Bye. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.